Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 5th February 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This time we have views on and progress with Pfizer and J&J's coronavirus vaccines, a delay for an Alzheimer's drug, an interview with Amgen, and more industry views on key topics in the Script Asks series. Pfizer said it expects its COVID-19 vaccine to generate $15 billion in 2021, but the forecast appears to be an underestimation as it includes only contracted doses. Pfizer released its first financial forecast for the vaccine during its fourth quarter and full year 2020 earnings report, and it's a striking revenue prediction for a product that didn't even exist a year ago. Pfizer shares profits for the mRNA vaccine evenly with its partner BioNTech, which will halve the amount it earns. But the forecast appears to be a significant underestimation as it accounts for only the doses that have been already contracted with governments and not the full 2 billion doses Pfizer believes it can produce this year. Pfizer did not disclose the number of doses the forecast is based on, but said it would update investors in future earnings updates as more doses are contracted. Jessica Merrill writes that investors have expected the vaccine to be a multi-billion dollar business opportunity, but it has been difficult to account for because of the uncertainty of the long-term trajectory of vaccines and the pandemic. We try not to give a low expectation. We try to give a responsible expectation, CEO Albert Buller said of the vaccine forecast during the company's fourth quarter sales and earnings call on 2nd February. As of 31st January, Pfizer has supplied 65 million doses globally, 29 million of which have been supplied to the US government. The company said it will be able to deliver 200 million doses to the US by the end of May, earlier than expected. Pfizer also laid out full company guidance for the year, reflecting revenues of $59.4 to $61.4 billion, which at the midpoint represents 44% growth over 2020 revenue of $41.91 billion. Excluding the COVID-19 vaccine, the midpoint of the revenue guidance would show 6% operational growth compared to 2020. I don't think we are receiving a lot of credit, not for the vaccine right now, Baller said, responding to an analyst question. Even excluding the impact of the COVID vaccine, he said the base business deserves a higher valuation. Investors, however, have had a lacklustre view of Pfizer's near-term growth prospects in the current portfolio and pipeline. Johnson & Johnson has reported a significantly lower overall efficacy figure in interim data from the first Phase 3 trial of its single-dose vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 than those of competitors, causing widespread disappointments and concerns about its efficacy. This is particularly in the context of worries about a South African variant of the virus that has arrived in the US, but the company has suggested there is more than meets the eye. The New Jersey-based drug maker reported on 29th January data from the Phase 3 Ensemble trial of JNJ78436735, also known as AD26.COV2.S. The vaccine overall was 66% effective at preventing COVID-19, including 72% efficacy in the US, 66% in Latin America and 57% in South Africa. But the company also said the vaccine was 85% effective at preventing severe disease across all the regions studied, with no cases in vaccinated participants reported after day 49 and was 100% effective at preventing hospitalisation and death. 
There were also no reported cases in the vaccine arm of death or of participants requiring medical intervention 28 days after vaccination. Alaric Diamant reports that the company plans to file for an emergency use authorization with the US FDA in early February and ship the single-dose product immediately after authorization. Nevertheless, shares of J&J fell as news headlines zeroed in on the 66% efficacy figure, comparing it unfavourably to other COVID-19 vaccines and highlighting continued fears surrounding the South African strain, which is known as B1351 or 501YV2, against which antibodies and vaccines have been less effective. However, in a same-day call with analysts, Mathai Mamen, who's global head of J&J's Janssen R&D division, cautioned against comparing its vaccine with others. He said the pandemic has evolved a lot with many newer and more virulent strains of the virus now in circulation. The mRNA vaccines completed phase 3 in November 2020 and received EUAs in the US in December, while J&J's ensemble study only began last September. Biogen Azai's 29th January announcement that the US FDA's review of aducanumab for the treatment of Alzheimer's disease has been extended by three months, with a decision now expected on 7th June, continued the ongoing debate over the amyloid clearing antibodies approvability and also raised new questions about what data the agency might require to make its decision. Biogen provided information that the FDA requested as part of its review of the Biologics license application, which the agency determined to be a major amendment to the BLA that necessitated a 90-day user fee extension. According to data from the pink sheet, user fee extensions for novel drugs are more likely to see eventual approval. Of 50 novel agents that had extended reviews from 2015 to now, 43 were eventually approved. Mandy Daxon writes that analysts generally viewed the longer review period as a positive development because the US agency is continuing to consider approval rather than reject the application outright. Biogen investors also put a positive spin on the FDA review period extension and the company's stock price rose about 10% in early trading, closing the day at 5.5% at $282.61 per share. Approval of aducanumab probably is the most high-profile drug under review at the FDA, outside of treatments and vaccines for COVID-19, because the biologic would be the first disease-modifying treatment for Alzheimer's, a large market with a high level of unmet need. Biogen submitted its BLA last July and the FDA accepted the application for priority review in August, setting a March 7th user fee date. As of December, aducanumab was under review in the US, EU and also Japan. Mandy also writes that Amgen entered 2021 with two new high-profile potential additions to its commercial portfolio. Sotorasib for non-small cell lung cancer patients with CRAS G12C mutations and tezepelumab for severe asthma. But while Amgen Executive Vice Presidents David Rees and Murdo Gordon are looking forward to bringing these therapies to market in the next year or so, COVID-19 impacts on sales and competitive pressures remain near-term headwinds to the company's growth. Scripps spoke with Rees, EVP of R&D, and Gordon, who's EVP of Global Commercial Operations, about pivotal data, 
filing plans and commercial preparations for sotorazib and tezepelumab, both of which have breakthrough therapy designations in the US in their initial indications. But the company is also preparing for the ways the COVID pandemic continues to impact clinical trials and commercial efforts. Gordon noted that while Amgen's strategy for volume-driven growth is well underway, the company's commercial portfolio has been somewhat impacted by COVID, but we are hopeful that that impact will be mitigated throughout the year as the vaccines come in. Sales in Asia in particular have been growing well and should continue to be a growth engine for Amgen for the next decade. Otesla, which is Apramilast, approved for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, also has been a nice addition to our inflammation portfolio since the product's acquisition from Celgene prior to its merger with BMS in late 2019, Gordon said. And if we can find opportunities like that, we will continue to add those kinds of things to what is already a robust inline and pipeline portfolio of products, he noted. COVID-19 is a great reminder and a testament that Biopharma's core mission is to meet patient and society's needs. These words of Li Hua Yu, who's president and chief data science officer of Azai's precision oncology subsidiary, H3 Biomedicine, resonated time and again among the responses from the more than 200 industry leaders who answered Scripps' call to share predictions for 2021. The third instalment of the Scripps Asks annual forecast series is therefore dedicated to perspectives that could be loosely grouped under the general theme of patient access to healthcare. In the wide-ranging infographic article by Eleanor Malone, among the areas identified as ripe for change in 2021 were the need to reduce inequity in access to medicine, ways to facilitate participation in clinical trials at the same time as improving the trials themselves, and the approach to diseases of large populations. Meanwhile, several industry observers pondered the perennial topic of pricing and reimbursement, and unsurprisingly, public health emergencies also came up. In another quote from the article, Nina Patil, who's Senior Vice President and General Counsel at Jazz Pharmaceuticals, said, Fair and equitable access to potentially life-changing therapies is more important than ever before, especially within the context of the ongoing pandemic. Virtual health services and delivery have surged this year, but overall, the health and well-being of millions has suffered under the limitations required to help reduce the spread of the virus. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. And just a reminder that this and all Informer Pharma Intelligence podcasts are now available on our new Spotify channel. Bye for now.